All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with a less forlorn Drew Dinsick after the mighty Raiders pulled out the victory <laughs> uh, over Zach Wilson uh, and his friends. Kept on waiting for it, Drew, uh, for yeah. you, for the moment where Zach Wilson finally wouldn't see a linebacker uh, and it finally happened on the decisive play of the end. No, he was moving the ball a bit before that. Anyway, today we're going to talk about some injuries in the NFC South, uh, a division that needs to recede or be relegated. Then we'll talk stock up, stock down with the Texans uh, and your New York Jets. And then we'll close out by talking about Coach of the Year, which is, I think, an awards market that has kind of crystallized uh, over the weekend. Uh, but we'll get into that. But let's start off talking about uh, the New Orleans Saints who are about to head on by Derek Carr, uh, right shoulder injury seems like that has been cleared of damage, but he is in concussion protocol. I would expect that he's probably going to be fine for their next game. Uh, Marshall and Lattimore, not as fine. Carted off with a significant injury, they say. And then Michael Thomas, for what it's worth, also uh, it looks like he has a significant injury too. Uh, how do you price the Saints going forward? Do you think that they are that they are, they justify their red odds to win the division at the moment? Man, I have a bunch of Saints in my accounts and I do not feel good. Um, this team had the chance to put away the Vikings uh, and kind of distance themselves from the Falcons. They didn't do it. Uh, thankfully, the Falcons lost. Like the Falcons beat the um, uh, Cardinals yesterday. I think that's like every you know man your battle stations like we got our we got ourselves a problem <laughs> like this is gonna be bad um and you know i think fair for me for the saints is still minus 140 even in the absence of Lattimore, who matters a ton um uh, michael thomas less so because you do have an emerging set of wide receivers there that you can backfill his contributions uh so i really just want to zero in on this defense the saints defense got abused yesterday it was really, really strange seeing the way that uh, Kevin O'Connell sat down and came up with a game plan and just really, really beat up that group. Um, it was not an especially effective pass rush. That has kind of been their problem all season, uh, and they've just been playing you know, sound fundamentals with Marshawn Lattimore being kind of a key component to shutting down some of the better wide receivers they've faced. But... Um, the facts of the matter are the Saints still control their own destiny to a degree. Uh, they have the easiest schedule remaining, which matters. Uh, they play no one in terms of high-quality quarterbacks except for Jared Goff between now and the end of the season. Uh, and it's not like anyone else in this NFC South is really coming for them. <laughs> the Falcons certainly aren't. And the Buccaneers are a little bit of a roller coaster. I mean... Uh, nice win by them yesterday. Uh, it was, you know, it was a pretty clean win by them yesterday. But uh, it's that's still not a team that you trust whatsoever up against a team with, uh, you know, uh, any semblance of quarterback play uh, that is solid. And so I think ultimately the Saints still do get there. Um, but we joked about how. Um, or we didn't really joke about it, but like one of the key handicapping angles for. The NFC playoff picture was only one team's going to get a bye here. Only one between the Eagles and the Cowboys is going to get a bye. Well, now the other one probably drawing the winner of this NFC South and is going to be eight-point favorites on the road. So it's uh, uh, it's not exactly a bye, uh, and you will have to then go on the road the following two weeks if you want to get to the NFC Championship game. So it's still an impediment not to win your division if you're Eagles or Cowboys right now. But um, you know, certainly this looking like 
the Saints were going to put together something special, like a campaign that was going to actually make them, uh, you know, a, a legitimate NFC contender. That's out the window right now. These guys really are just, they're lacking at too many positions and they're too inconsistent. And the coaching is hugely suspect. The offensive scheme is a joke. Uh, and I think realistically, like, even though you are now pivoting into uh, you know a set of skill position players that all exceed with a little bit more aggressive play calling, I do trust Pete Carmichael to all of a sudden pull out the good plays because it doesn't seem like he's got any. Um, and so I think it's it's going to be a uh, a hard fought NFC South win for this Saints team that really could have done it a lot easier. Yeah, I agree. I still would take them over the field, but that's to me getting closer and closer to a coin flip i think the concern is that you know it's interesting it's easy to evaluate in retrospect but their issue as you know is on defense is they don't really have a pass rush and what minnesota do have with christian darris back playing uh, on sundays they have a really solid offensive line they have two really good tackles in darris and brian o'neill garrett bradbury is a solid center and josh dobbs just had a lot of time and I don't think Josh Dobbs is very good. I think there is a reason that he was a backup for so long. I don't think this is Geno Smith last year. I, th- I don't think Dobbs is at that level. Someone who's been uh, very invested in the Vikings uh, the past two weeks, watching Dobbs play, he has made some fantastic <laughs> plays, but almost all with his legs outside of yeah. that one uh, pristine touchdown throw to uh, TJ Hawkinson over the middle, which was reminiscent of the throws that uh, Brock Purdy makes to Brandon Ayuk, those kind of routes to go over the linebacker before the safety and in the sweet spot. But, I mean, yesterday Josh Dobbs had a PFF grade of 65, and that that kind of matched what I saw is that he got all the plaudits because of, uh, you know, his his touchdown run where he turns around and goes to the left and that throw to Hawkinson. But they didn't do anything on offense in the second mm-hmm. half. And I do think this... New Orleans defense is still pretty good, but Lattimore going down is a huge deal yeah. because that was really the strength of the defense is that Paulson Debo has been awesome this season. Yeah. And yeah, then you put that across the Lattimore who started off the year, the first few weeks was close to the best cornerback in the league. He's tailed mm-hmm. off a bit, but he's still good. Uh, and so now I think they're going to get a little bit more exposed. And it's just games like, you know, a week ago or so, I was looking like New Orleans home to Detroit was a coin flip. Well, not anymore. The Lions are going to be three-point favorites in that game, I would think, the way this is headed at the moment in New Orleans. So they've got problems. I think the good thing is that Chris Olave really woke up for the first time in what feels like forever. He was a monster against the Vikings, and he was the only reason that the Saints were back in the game on offense. They lose Michael Thomas, but having Olave... I think Thomas going down will just mean more Rashid Shahid as well, which I think will benefit them. It I don't should know be good. Him. They have so many good players. Between Olave, Shahid, Taysom Hill, the way he can be used, Alvin Kamara looks a lot healthier and more athletic than years past, where he's constantly yeah. dealing with niggling injuries. So, and they have talent on the team. The O line isn't great, but it's not, you know, it's not the Jets O line. And Carr is fine. He's what he is. He's the. 19th best quarterback in the league so i think ultimately they will be fine but it's going to be a grind and i think it's going to come down to these two games against atlanta if they split them i think they should win the division and also sneaky thing though is that the bucks coming into this now uh bucks have the first half of the tie break with new orleans and that second game is in tampa bay so uh a bit messy i have some saints division as well and i don't feel amazing about it I also don't want to think about it, though. I don't like this division. Uh, let's talk about the Falcons before we move off of it. 
Taylor Heineke, he strained his hamstring, left the game and did not return. Desmond Ritter came in and ran for a touchdown, didn't do a ton. Uh, what does this do for how you price the Falcons moving forward? Yeah. So in preparation for this discussion, I'll just preface this by saying I came into this exercise more concerned about Tampa stealing than Atlanta. And I still feel that way. Uh, Atlanta has four. I mean, so Tampa has four of their next five on the road, including games against San Francisco, who they will get buried by, presumably <laughs> against Indianapolis, who might be somewhat plucky. And then Atlanta and Green Bay, who, you know, they, if, if they you know lose three of these next five, I think they're pretty much out of it. Uh, Atlanta, on the other hand, I, I don't know how you salvage this season. It seems like what we're getting from Art Smith right now in terms of his vision as to what he wants this team to be on offense is completely at odds with how they are rostered um, and completely at odds with how you win football in today's NFL. So I don't know if there's a saving this. I don't know if he's the guy to turn this around. And I think he is obviously feeling some of the pressure that has gone along with, uh, you know, underperforming to, a you know, the, the, the four and six record that they've gotten so far this season. Um, some of their four wins were pretty doggone lucky when you look back on it too. My goodness gracious, this Falcons team, this this thing could have gotten off the rails like Panthers off the rails kind of, uh, you know, kind of outcomes here. And and uh, uh, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that that's where this thing finally lands once we get to the month of December, even though they have the, you know, the third easiest schedule from here on out. Um, their next game hosting the New Orleans Saints, I would expect them to be home dogs uh, when they go on the road at uh, Zach Wilson's aforementioned Jets. I would expect them to be somewhere in the two and a half to three point dogs um and that's entirely based on the strength of the jets defense nothing to do with the strength of the offense for the jets so um you know dogs here now twice you know small dogs under three the next two weeks uh and then you're home versus tampa where you know now you're probably favored in that one so it's uh it's going to be interesting to kind of get a read with how the market adjusts them because right now i think market ratings would say they're going to be small favorites in those next two games whereas i think they're going to actually close dogs and uh you know desmond ritter is the right choice as far as like he has a higher ceiling than Heineke. We've talked about this. You made a pretty, pretty salient point in that regard last week, I thought. And, you know, Heineke is a low ceiling guy that is not going to get you enough wins to get to the playoff picture this year. And he's just going to be in the way of you evaluating Ritter. So if you have something there, you need to see, you know, see and figure out what you've got with Ritter. Uh, I guess credit to Ritter for getting the ball into the end zone instead of fumbling it into the end zone yesterday. Uh, that's progress uh, just in general. Like he looked a little bit uh, uh, kind of renewed from some of his time on the bench. So maybe he plays with a little bit more spirit and a little bit less, uh, you know, kind of lackadaisical mistake uh, ridden football. So um, Falcons defense, I'm ready, I'm ready to write off. I thought they had a chance to finish in the top 10 uh, after looking at that roster in the preseason, but the great Jarrett loss is huge. Uh, and just in general, uh, you can't get it done with just safety play. The cornerback play has slid to the point where you can now throw on this team, and that's that's a problem when you're not getting any kind of pass rush. Yep, I agree. Look, I think the way to bet this division at the moment is, so Falcons and Saints are both on by this week coming up. Right now, I make the Bucks like the slightest of value against the market to win the division, but so close to neutral that it's not really even worth it. But here's what I would do, is I would wait for San Francisco to beat Tampa Bay by 50 points this week and hope that the market overreacts a little bit to a game that Tampa was almost certainly always going to lose anyway uh, and then jump on the Bucks at that point. Because after they lose to uh, San Francisco in San Francisco, 
uh, in a line that opened 10 and I think is going to close like 13 and a half, honestly, like that kind of range. Maybe not quite that big, but close. After that, at Indy, Carolina, at Atlanta, at Green Bay, home Jacksonville. They have another game against Carolina and then they play at home to New Orleans in week 17. Uh, and if they win that game, just one home game against a very flawed team, then they'll have gone 2-0 and against New Orleans, have the tie break wrapped up. So I think the Bucks are the play, but I okay. would wait. Yeah, until you think um, market right now would tell you you're going to get Bucks at around a pick them at Indy, at Atlanta, at Green Bay, and yep. definitely a favorite at Carolina. So the yep. market probably going to be difficult to make them favorites on the road four times down the stretch even if it's kind of right around a pick them you think you yeah. could do better betting those game by game than just taking a price like like i guess what's the buy point like if three to one's not good enough to get involved now you wait till there's no reaction after they get thumped by niners you want five to one i guess is is that that, that the target i think so i mean it depends i think that kind of stuff it depends on what the price goes back up at uh if they're going to go up at five to one go from three to one to five to one after they lose a game that san francisco is going to be like minus thousand to win then yes i think that's that's a great bet um but yeah let's see what they go back up at. but i think this team is you know baker mayfield has better epa this year than lamar jackson um baker mayfield's been fine he's been uh, an average quarterback, maybe even slightly above average. Sometimes doesn't look pretty, doesn't look pretty at all. But uh, he's been able to get results, particularly uh, against weaker teams. So he's, he's uh, top nine. He's top nine right now in each total know, EPA generated. That's watched. That's crazy. It's not good. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it either. But the results are there. And in Evans, he's got a legit, you know, number one and Godwin. I've always liked Rashad White, even though he runs for 3.9 yards of pop. I don't think that's his fault. But yeah, I don't he's think had, that... he's had more juice lately. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's looked a little bit better. He had the shot, he had what a shoulder thing that he carried yeah. into the Bills game, and then he really didn't look good in that game. And then he's been a bit better. And uh, yeah, I mean, they manhandled Tennessee. Yeah. All right. That's enough about the NFC South. Let's <laughs> move on uh, to the AFC South. But first, Sunday Night Football, Drew, is headed to the altitude this week when yes. Josh Bell from the Vikings travel to Denver for a battle with Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Coverage of the interconference matchup begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. We'll talk a bit more about those Minnesota Vikings when we get to Coach of the Year. But first, another Coach of the Year candidate, second favorite in the market, which I don't necessarily agree with, but he's in the mix. D'Amico Ryans, his team, the Texans, uh, massive winner out of week 10. Not only do they win as five and a half point dogs to Cincinnati, the Jags lose. And now all of a sudden, the AFC South feels quite up for grabs, even if Jacksonville still are a fairly clear favorite. But to me, the Texans at the moment might be the most difficult team uh, to get one's head around because. I mean, see, all the buzz at the moment is CJ Stroud MVP. I think this is just the more fake version of the Joe Burrow MVP buzz coming out okay. of last week. And next week, we'll have the real MVP buzz about who wins between Mahomes and Hurts. But Stroud's numbers, uh, to me, the most fa- fascinating thing there is that, or the most indicative thing is that when he is kept clean, he's the best quarterback in the NFL basically, which is astounding for that to happen with a rookie and with weapons that are good, but uh, there are other quarterbacks who have better weapons and he's still able to do that. Uh, He was excellent against the Bengals despite a couple of turnovers, but to me, Drew, the big 
the big takeaway out of uh, Sunday for the Texans is that their defense looked pretty solid against Joe Burrow after Burrow had completely lit up the Bills and the Niners. Uh, what do you think the ceiling of this Texans team is? Do you think that they're now a better team than average on neutral? Or do you think that uh, it's just been a fortuitous couple of weeks? And including one of those weeks, I mean, they won by two against the Bucs. So it's not the most impressive victory. No, it's not. Uh, and yeah, but yesterday's was. Yes. Um, not just because they were, you know, almost touchdown dogs. Um and you ended up going up against a not a full strength Bengals team because Higgins was unavailable, but Chase was out there running routes, and uh, they pretty clearly had a you know kind of a tailored game specific game plan that they wanted to try to run, and it didn't really work after the scripted portion. And I don't know if you've if you if you've rewatched this or not, but um, I rewatched the game. The Bengals scored on their opening touchdown again. Yeah, that was a laborious drive. It was yeah. real tough for them to matriculate down the field. They had to get a very, very close call fourth down conversion uh, that was thrown well behind the sticks. I don't really know what the concept was there, but they got it. Uh, and then uh, a jailbreak, or not a jailbreak, but just a, a beautiful, um, you know, kind of identification of uh, Burrow seeing that Irwin was going to be streaking down the sidelines to get the touchdown ultimately uh, gave them that lead. But you watch that first drive and you're like, oh, man. The Texans defense came to play today. Like these guys are sharp. They're rallying. They're not giving up anything on the ground. Uh, and you're seeing uh, some guys and some names who weren't really part of that starting unit, which I think matters because when we looked at this roster in the offseason, there wasn't a lot of star power. There wasn't a lot of name brand recognition, but there was a lot of good players. And some of those good players were in the second unit on defense. And you kind of knew or suspected that as the season went along, if these guys were hanging in there and winning games and you know they were getting to do some self-evaluation, they were going to figure out who they actually wanted on the field as their starting defense. And the guys that they have out there now are playing really, really well. And it was it's tough to have a measured take on this because of the fact that they went against the Bengals and they went against Joe Burrow and they clearly won that head to head. In my opinion, if it was not for, uh, you know, some short fields and some turnovers, they would have cleanly won that head to head. Uh, and that matters because Burrow and the Bengals are a top five offense. And so that is what you're ceiling as a defense that we got to pay attention to it. I will only kind of caution some optimism by the idea of, Demeco Ryan's commentary today when he was pushed was very much like this was our best week of practice of the season. Like everybody kind of came out of that Bucks game and instead of a deep sigh of relief, hey, we won a close one. That was exciting. We're really good. We're reading our clippings. It was much more of a, hey, we're not at our final form yet. We need to keep working hard. We need to keep building. And they pretty clearly showed up very focused and very, very ready to play that game against the Bengals. And it was obvious. Um, I think if you get that level of defensive performance on any given Sunday for this Texans team, you have a very, very real chance to win regardless of how well CJ Stroud is playing, which brings us finally to that point, which is quarterback play is so weak across the league right now. He is so clearly top 10. It's not really even a like a worth having the argument about. Which means if you have a top 10 quarterback, are you above average team in the NFL? Absolutely. C clearly, yes. And so um, doing what he did yesterday and having you know that kind of a performance with a couple of mistakes you know, sprinkled in on the road against the Lou Anarumo defense, yeah, okay. Like That was still incredibly impressive. And I think 
um, you know, it's maybe more instructive to take away some of the what is going on with the Bengals defense. Um, but uh, the fact that they did that without Nico Collins, incredible. Uh, the fact that they got what they got from Devin Singletary, they might have figured out that he's a better threat than Pierce. I mean, the, the running game was an enormous minus for this offense for the entire season so far, to the point where C.J. Stroud had to sit down with the Slowick and say, say, put it more on my shoulders. we got to get some of these minus EV runs out of here. And, well, if you have Singletary in the backfield and he's got more pop, more life, more, you know, more, uh, you know, if he's bringing more juice, then uh, now you might have a balanced attack and things could get really interesting. So uh, could the Texans steal the South? Yes. Could the Texans uh, continue to get some of these hard-fought wins uh, as we go through the rest of the season, considering how easy their schedule is? Absolutely. Um, but uh, there's probably a little bit of overreaction to that result and the fact that they had such an incredible week of practice, as stated by Ryans, uh, that has me kind of uh, you know a, a little bit surprised that you saw as big a number as you did on the Open against Arizona. Um, but that said, uh, this is probably like the surprise team of the year who the market has a difficult time pricing, uh, until we finally, uh, you know, finally get to the point where they're overrated clearly in market and they lose. And then we know that that was the inflection point, but we're not there yet. And if they win and cover against Arizona, then I think you can continue to see, uh, market upgrading these guys. Yeah, they're a difficult team to evaluate because 15 days ago they lost to Carolina uh, mm -hmm. and they deserved to lose that game. Carolina were the better team there. That wasn't some fluky outcome, I didn't think. And then like the two games prior to that, they eked out a win against New Orleans where New Orleans were missing field goals and couldn't convert uh, key downs and Stroud threw for less than 200 yards and wasn't great. And then the week before that, they lost to Desmond Ritter. So I don't really understand what this team is. I think that when you look at the personnel, it looks pretty good. Now that Tunsil and is, is back, along with Titus Howard, who hasn't been good but still should get better, uh, with Shaq Mason providing more competence in the interior of the line. Uh, and then you look at what Tank Dell is doing uh, with Noah Brown as well, who's been a monster. Uh, and what Stroud is doing, I think the offense is just above average going forward. So the question is about the defense, which coming into yesterday was bottom 10 in the league in EPA. And we'll get to coach of the year, but I think that's his, that's D'Amico Ryan's problem with his case is that, you know, he's a defensive coach and it's an offensive team. This is CJ Stroud's team at the moment. This isn't D'Amico Ryan's team. If they go 12 and 5 and win the division, then it might become overwhelming, but... I think there are other candidates, so we'll get to that. But I think with the defense, now that, look, they have pedigree on this team. And now that Stingley is back, like Stingley wasn't good last year, but he was also the third pick in the draft. And he's in year two, and he's been injured all year. Now he's back. You put him off to Shaq Griffin, who's fine uh, as a corner. Will Anderson is fantastic. Uh, they, Sheldon Rankins is a monster yesterday. So they have talent on this defense. At the same time, like if Tyler Boyd catches that touchdown, they give up 31 points and probably lose to the Bengals despite Joe Burrow throwing a couple of picks. So I don't really know what to make of the defense. I'd probably say it's going to be slightly below average going forward and the offense is probably slightly above average and you've got a pretty average team that's pretty average on neutral. And in this division against the Jags team that is kind of flailing, that might, that might be enough to win it, particularly because... 
it's very possibly going to come down to the game in two weeks where Houston hosts Jacksonville. If they win that, they lock up the tie break. Uh, and if they've beaten Arizona prior to that, then they'll go top of the division with an easy schedule to come. They still got to, they still get two games against Will Levis. Uh, so, yeah, I think the Texans uh, are legitimate, uh, at least in terms of being able to win the division. Beyond that, I don't think there's too much cooking. Let's no. talk about the Jets quickly. Uh, they are now 4-4. Four five after that loss against the Raiders in inglorious fashion. And their next two games are against the Bills and Dolphins. Uh, and I don't really see how this offense is going to keep up with those two teams that have very high flaws on offense. And I know that the Jets beat the Bills in week one. Josh Allen also threw three picks in that game and they needed a miracle kick return to, to win it. So I'm not sure that that is very repeatable. Uh, do you have any hope for the Jets going forward? Do you think that they can hang around long enough in the in the playoff picture that we're still thinking about Aaron Rodgers coming back in week 17, or do you think they'll be out of it by then? I think they'll be out of it by then. <laughs> this is another tough one, man. Uh, the defense is top five. Um, they're healthy. Uh, they play extremely hard week in, week out. Um, their coach continues to you know, kind of uh let them down i guess by not, not... A coach team with the penalties and the lack of yeah there's just yeah and then first first question every monday morning hey coach you scored one offensive touchdown in the last three weeks what's the plan of quarterback we're sticking with zach um i that's got to be wearing on these guys i mean they're all pros they're all you know they're all you know they're playing for future contracts they are playing for pride uh and they're going to continue to prepare and work hard i would assume on defense but um they've been very very lucky in terms of injury on the defensive side of the ball so far a couple of tough ones here and then all of a sudden the picture looks very different about them being able to stay in games with their defense um and there's no help coming anytime soon offensively to, you know if aaron Rodgers is for real and he's going to try to make a comeback in mid-december here um I mean, it's going to be too little too late, likely. And uh, this Jets team is, um, it's tough to price considering how lopsided the offense and the defense are. Um, I think this is very clearly a bottom five offense in the NFL. I don't really think that's worth arguing. Uh, and I think it's pretty clearly a top five defense. And that makes them unique. Uh, and it makes them interesting. Um, and thankfully, you know, they're going to have entertaining games here. Um, but, you know, Zach Wilson's major problems and his flaws are pretty well documented at this point. Like, he's going to be able to do some things. They need to do a better job of identifying those things that he's good at, get him into the game plan, get him into the save them for some high leverage situations. Uh, because, you know, a couple of key plays in that game last night, and they win that pretty comfortably. Um, and ultimately, they find themselves at a deficit late. And, you know, you're asking Zach Wilson to, to do something miraculous. The defense gets a, a, turn, a key turnover to give you another chance. Uh, and he just goes down the field and then throws, just as you mentioned, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty easy, um, you know, pick to read as he's staring down his wide receiver for two and a half seconds before he releases the ball. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a great situation, obviously. And, um, you know, I think realistically, you have to kind of go pretty far into the archives of finding a team that's this, this healthy and this good on defense that has this weak of an offense uh, in order to come up with a fair rating. Um, but uh, yeah, these next two weeks against the uh, 
Bills and the Dolphins look like problems. And if there's any injury or any sign of quit from the Jets defense, then I don't think I can blame them. Yeah. I think the other thing too with the Jets is that there was a lot of optimism about them after they beat Philadelphia and got into the bye three and three, having weathered the brutal early part of their schedule because then it was going to get easier. Well, the easy part of the schedule was three games after the bye and they've gone one and two. And now Mm -hmm. these other easy games that they've got like home to Houston was supposed to be an easy game that's not they might be dogs in that game at this point if Stroud keeps on doing this uh the other and then they've just got other landmines like they've got to play Miami twice they have to play Buffalo this week they got to play at Cleveland they're going to be significant dogs in that game even a home game against Washington that's no layup at the moment so I mean, their one arguable layup is at New England, and that's in week 18, and very likely that's not going to mean anything. So, uh, yeah, not feeling too optimistic about the Jets. They just seem to have no upside on offense between Wilson and Mr. Hackett. Uh, Mr. Hackett will not be part of our Coach of the Year discussion for the last (laughs) segment, but before we get to that, a reminder that Saturday, November 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions for week 12, including Brock Bowers and Georgia traveling to Nayland Stadium for a showdown against SEC East rival Tennessee. Wow. All right. Coach of the year. Now, I think this has kind of come down to five candidates where Dan Campbell is the favorite in the market at plus 150. He's followed by D'Amico Ryan's Mike McDaniel. Kevin O'Connell and Mike Tomlin, uh, Nick Sirianni is next. If Nick Sirianni goes 16-1, and one, I could see it. Outside of that, I think he's going to be in some trouble. Uh, I now have an organizing theory about this market, Drew, and I'm keen for your thoughts on it. So the Lions, this market, you have to start with Dan Campbell and the Lions, particularly after what he did on Sunday, going for it on that fourth down, getting the win, going to 7-2. and two. Their next five games are an absolute cupcake. It is comical how easy their schedule is. They play home to Chicago, home to Green Bay, at New Orleans. Lattimore's almost certainly going to be out for that. At Chicago, home Denver. So I would say that your modal outcome there is going four and one. And everyone look at that and be like, oh, they're not going to lose any of these games. Well, they're probably going to lose one of those games because that's just what happens is you Mm -hmm. lose one. And so let's say that they get to their final three games at uh, 11 and three. My thought is, is that their final three games, which are at Minnesota, at Dallas in prime time, home Minnesota. I think if Dan Campbell goes two or one or better in those games, he will win coach of the year. I think if he has two or more losses in those games, then Kevin O'Connell or Mike Tomlin will win coach of the year. What do you think of that? I think it comes down to that first game against... Minnesota because that win likely clinches NFC North. Yes. And if you clinch that early and you dispatch one of the other prime candidates for coach of the year in the same, same, in the same swoop, then, you know, you've made it easy for the voting block to just decide and then check out of the last two games. Yeah, and well, I think that's, I mean, the Dallas I the Dallas game might have one seed ramifications is the only thing could, in week seventeen or two seed ramifications, and it's in prime time on a Saturday night. I yeah. think that if he were to lose that game by twenty, which is possible because it's Dallas and they're really good, yeah. then I think that would make it tougher. 
But I think if he's got two wins against O'Connell sandwiching that game, then I think he will still win. But, I mean, I think Coach of the Year is, the, in a way, the toughest award to handicap because like, if you told me that Doug Peterson in, what, 2017 or 2018, if it, you told me he went from 7-9 and nine to 13-3 and three and a one seed with his quarterback getting injured for the last month of the season and he got one out of 50 Coach of the Year votes, I would have said that's completely insane. But this award changes on a whim with narratives, with what ignites in the media. And to me, it's mainly about just being able to kind of frame what a given coach's win condition is, how likely they are to get there, and then how much the story will resonate. And I think a fun and useful way to talk about that is to be like, all right, if this coach is at this record, does he beat this coach at that record? So... A question for you is okay. Dan Campbell gets to 13 and four and wins the division and is say a two seed. Yeah. Do you think he beats Mike Tomlin winning the AFC North at 11 or 12 wins? I do. Uh, and I think it's Sacramento Kings esque, right? It's a little bit of the, you know, hey, this has been a long time coming for the city of Detroit. Um, yeah. you know, It'll be got the greatest Lions season in history. Literally, yeah. Right. In terms of yeah. Yeah, and first Lions home playoff game since 1990. <laughs> Has it been that long? Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Uh, yeah, if that happens, that's a powerful narrative. And uh, I think Tomlin, he is going to need Dan Campbell to fumble the bag here uh, to a degree. Um, and your point about the you know upcoming schedule for the lions cuts both ways because if they do their job and they win these games then that sets them up to seal the deal against the vikings if they struggle it will be held against them that they're losing to bad teams and the defense the way that they played yesterday they could lose to bad teams i think you make a good point like four and one yeah that sounds about right but if it's three and two if it's two and three you know if they uh if they slip up against uh you know some Stuff, some teams that are truly thought of as, um, you know, non-contenders here, then uh, it'll hurt them. And that's kind of the only way NIC for Tomlin at the moment, just because, you know, again, like it's going to be so much tougher for them to actually get to a winning record and win the North, <laughs> I think. Well, uh, so the, the losses, the Baltimore and uh, Cincinnati losses helped them. Oh, tremendously. So now they're live. And I mean, I'm very low on the Steelers. I think they are worse than your average team on neutral. And I think that the Ravens are a, a juggernaut. I think that Cleveland's are solidly above average and the Bengals in between Baltimore and Cleveland. And I still make the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, plus 550 fair to win the division, even Amazing. given all that, just because of their schedule upcoming. And so, I don't know. I think if say Tom, if Tomlin and Campbell have the same record and they're both division winners, I think Tomlin has to win in that situation because it almost certainly means that Campbell's had three more losses between now and the end of the season because I don't think the Steelers are getting the 13 wins. Uh, so I think that Tomlin, I mean, there's still some Tomlin like 18 to 1 about. Like that's too big. If they're plus 550 or remotely close to that to win the division, then I think he's got to be shorter than that number. Uh, yeah. Another one for you in terms of comparing cases, if Tomlin and Kevin O'Connell have the same record and both win their division, who do you think would win? This one's tough, man. So uh, I think that's like a proper coin flip. It, yes, that's kind of where I'm at. I would lean Tomlin, 
Um, but just because for some reason, like last week, it felt like the Kevin O'Connell coach of the year, like liftoff didn't really get there. You know, nationally, I'm not sure why, because that was such a good story. Uh, they were five and four at the time. Yeah, right? yeah, and in and then, and then this week, you would have thought, well, wow, now there's really nothing. You know, now what else would you rather write about? You know, look what the Vikings did, but it it fell flat relative to some of the other results yesterday for some reason. So um, I don't have a good read on why exactly uh, Kevin O'Connell's case is not tracking what it ought to, um, and I think that's. I can but it's tell you why. It's because Josh Dobbs <laughs> is like Lynn Sanity at the moment. I guess Dobbs so. Is the story, but I think that one Dobbs is going to have a game in the next couple of months where he throws two or three picks and they lose, and then the shine will be off because he's not that good. He's fine. He's competent, but he's going to, uh, you know, people are talking about him as you know QB one going forward for a team like the Vikings can move on from Kirk Cousins because Josh Dobbs is the guy of the future. I'm not quite there. Like maybe he'll get to that level by the end of the season, but I don't think that uh, we can just pencil that in after two games. I think that like O'Connell doesn't have the vibes at the moment because they're six and four and this is new and it's all Dobbs. If he beats Dan Campbell in week 16 and knocks out another coach, the candidate, all of a sudden, I think the vibes come flowing in. Uh, so I think that if he takes care of business there, that is his path. And if he wins the division, which is about eight to one to do so, then I think he will win coach of the year, barring Tomlin. And even if Tomlin wins, I think that's that's a 50-50 coin flip. The uh we spoke about D'Amico Ryan's. I think the other guy who is, you know, third in the odds at the moment is Mike McDaniel, who I mean the books haven't written him off because he's third in the odds. I think that most people like us have probably written him off because he's got three losses and he's 0-3 in big games. What I would say there is that his last three games of the season, again, this is the narrative award, last three weeks of the season, particularly week 16 and 17, are the highest leverage games for this award. Uh, he plays home Dallas at Baltimore, home Buffalo. That is exactly what Mike McDaniel's coach of the year case needs because he needs he's coming from behind now, so he needs high variance. And those games, they can wash away the stench if he doesn't win any big games. If they go into Baltimore in week 17 and beat the Ravens, all of a sudden this team is fake. That's washed away. I still think he would need the one seed and Dan Campbell to have five losses, but that's viable. I would just have him... Uh, I, I'd have him the same kind of tier as Ryan. I'd have him slightly behind Ryan's and I would have uh, Campbell tier one, O'Connell and Tomlin tier two, and then Ryan's and McDaniel tier three. Uh, but what do you think of McDaniel before we sign off? Yeah, I mean, I've written him off because um, of all the points you made and the fact that it's the middle of November and a team from Miami not having already sealed up any kind of you know, offensive-based uh, recognition for the being them being the best of anything is a problem. Uh, that Ravens game in particular, like those aren't the kind of games that, for whatever reason, a Miami team goes in and wins. <laughs> like on the road in in January, uh, it doesn't happen very often for whatever reason. And you know, they've also got the loom looming uh, you know specter of health kind of dictating a lot of stuff like. If Waddle Hill and Tua aren't all healthy, then is that offense putting up the same amount of points that they did early this season? You know, like the further we get from 70 points against the Broncos, the 
the less inspiring his case feels like. And so I'm ready to clear, clear out, uh, you know, any realistic hope that McDaniel can win. I also think that there's probably a, um, a, a little bit of a bias among the commentariat about the NFL who likes McDaniel more so than the, you know, the old school writers for whatever reason. I don't know that he resonates as well with the people who are actually in the voting block. Um, so that's worth kind of th thinking about. Whereas Ryan's maybe does, right? His cases, there's probably a subset of the 50 voters who are like, the Texans exceeded their win expectation more than anyone else. They get the vote for coach of the year, period. Uh, and what cracks me up is there were people writing about like, you know, Ryan's should he get coach of the year consideration. There are people writing about uh, uh, Nick Cesario should get executive of the year consideration. Do people forget that these guys didn't want CJ Stroud? Yeah. And then that the owner basically enforced CJ yeah. Stroud and that he, he's the reason that the Texans are succeeding. Like that would just be, again, like, I don't know, it, it could happen and we would, we would probably swear off voting coach of the year markets forever <laughs> but uh it would be wildly unjust i think yeah i think ryan's can absolutely win if he wins the division but i think he has he has a tougher path to 11 12 wins than campbell has the 13 wins and also campbell doesn't have a quarterback who's stealing credit away from him and ryan's has the quarterback right now who's the kind of hottest subject in the nfl and i and tomlin has a quarterback who adds credit to tomlin and O'Connell right now is a quarterback stealing credit from him, but I don't necessarily think that will be the case come the end of the season. But uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting if we're enough Mike McDaniel, they'll be about plus 325, plus 350 to sweep Dallas and add Baltimore back to back. They do that and get the one seed. I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins, but uh, he is coming from a fair way back and he can probably only afford one more loss maximum the rest of the way. So... I agree. He's not in that. He's not in that top four with those four guys. He's behind them, but and it's very hard to see at this point anyone else winning. I mean, Shanahan can run the slate. Shanahan's like eleven to one now to run the slate and go fourteen and three and almost certainly get the one seat. So he would probably be the sixth guy for me, but I don't think he's going to win uh, at no. this point. No. Uh, I think it's probably going to be Dan Campbell. All right. Before, uh, before we go, a reminder to uh, check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thank you for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us in podcast form. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you tomorrow.